Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, go ahead and turn to the, the book of Matthew. We're going to be looking at the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 27 through 31. It's a short passage, and I'm just titling this message, The, the Ultimate Crown. Matthew chapter 27, verse 27 through 31. And uh, if, like, like you heard Pastor Bo mentioning, uh, a lot of the, uh, the notes, everything that I'm going to be covering today will be on the church app and also right there, um, right in the window, so you could kind of follow along as we go over this together. Uh, I, I just wanted to start off as we're thinking about Good Friday. The question is, why is it called Good Friday? And I think for many of us who grew up in the church, we have some idea, but some of us who are joining us this might be one of our first times actually joining us for a Sunday or a Friday gathering like this. And so the reason why we call it a Good Friday, especially on the death and the suffering of Jesus Christ, because naturally you will think that that doesn't seem like a good thing, but it really comes down to perspective. And what I mean by perspective is that because of his suffering and because of his death, now we're able to experience the forgiveness of sins, our shame and guilt taken away. And because of that now, because of that perspective change, what seemed like a bad and horrendous thing of someone dying on the cross, now that has been something that's good for us, that we have it eternal life, that we can experience the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. And that, that is the reason why many Christians today, we call it not a bad Friday, but a good Friday it is good for us and for the glory of God. And I think in many ways, the last three months, if we can just kind of be honest with ourselves, I think it's really hard to call it good. If you think about what has happened, uh, I don't know if you know, but today on April 10th here, it is the 101st day ever since the coronavirus was first reported in China. So we're talking about almost over three months of us experiencing the whole situation with this virus. And as of today, here are some of the statistics of the COVID-19 virus by the World Health Organization. Uh, The confirmed cases right now are 1,479,168 people. And I wanted to kind of give that exact number because... These are people that some of us might know. Some of us, we have friends and family who have been infected by this virus. So not only the confirmed death of 1,479,168 people who have been affected by this, but the total death right now, it is at 87,987 people. We're talking about close to 88,000 people globally have passed away because of this virus. Countries and areas or even territories that are infected with this virus and cases that have been reported, it is right now at 212 uh, nations, countries, different places around the world. So that pretty much covers a big part, if not the whole world. And for many of us, when we think about the last several months, all we can think about is just people being quarantined, and I know many of you have, uh, have been recently working from home, 
And let's just be honest. I think for many of us, the first week was awesome, where we can actually just wake up and just go to work. Some of us didn't even change. We were just kind of in our pajamas and working. And so it was great. But some of us, this is our, our second, third, maybe a month or so of working from home. And now you're getting kind of feeling this suffocation where you're just in home doing nothing. Or, well, you're working, but nothing in terms of like being able to go out and see other people. Uh, some of us, uh, we thought it was great that we can actually work from home because now the kids are there. But after, it's not even a week, but after the first couple of days, you're like, Lord, send them to school, open up the schools. And for others of us, we have been in situations where we could not go to some of the gatherings that we wanted to, for us to experience. And as you know, in our church, a lot of the things that we experience comes from being able to meet together. So we just had to find different ways to be able to still do that as a community. But I think overall, it has been one of those challenging times uh, for every single person and those who have been especially affected by this virus. I think it's kind of interesting that the official name of COVID-19 for this virus, uh, it was first called the coronavirus. And for the reasons uh, many of you might not know, uh, some of you probably know it by now if you did some research, uh, is that under a microscope, the virus looks like it's covered with these thorny crowns. And so here are some of the pictures you can look at. And you will notice that uh, these are, this is the virus. And the word corona is the Latin word which means crown. So as you're looking at some of these pictures, you will notice this is what the virus looks like. I want to go ahead and read to you. Uh, what Dr. Timothy Tennant, he is currently the president of Asbury Theological uh, Seminary, who, is, uh, who was my professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary as I was getting my doctorate degree. And this is what he writes in one of his blog posts. He says this, One of the central symbols of Lent is the thorny crown. It reminds us of sacrifice and self-denial. It is a symbol of the cost Jesus paid. The term corona in coronavirus is a word meaning crown. It is because the virus under extreme magnification actually looks like a thorny crown. Therefore, it is quite literally the thorny crown virus. The coronavirus reminds us that as Christians, we always, even when there is no virus in our midst, embody the sufferings of, of, of the world. And today, like no other day, as we think about Good Friday and the suffering of Jesus Christ and the crown of thorns that he had to wear on his head, it's a great reminder of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that's what I want to look at as we look at this passage in the book of Matthew, chapter 27. So let me give us the one thing for us to kind of think about as we look into this passage. The one thing is simply this, that whatever we consider a loss, Jesus will redeem because of the cross. So let me say it again, that whatever we consider a loss, Jesus will redeem because of the cross. Can I just ask you, if you're watching with some people next to you, will you just turn to somebody next to you and just remind them of the one thing uh, this evening? Amen. Uh, at this time, I'm going to go ahead and look at this passage, and I'm just going to have just a couple thoughts for us 
as we ponder on this and what does it really mean that whatever we have lost, that we know that God is going to be able to redeem it for something greater because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that I want us to think about as we think about the cross is that Jesus Christ took our punishment, that Jesus Christ took our punishment. Now, just so that we understand this part of the story, I want us to just kind of journey a little bit back to last Sunday. And as you know, this whole week was called the Passion Week, and the word passion literally means suffering. So it's the week of suffering, the suffering of Jesus Christ. And so let me just kind of give us a little bit of a a background story of everything that led to this point at this moment. And you'll realize that last Sunday was Palm Sunday, and this is where there was almost like a parade where he actually came into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. And people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest, declaring him to be the king. But then we noticed that as the days went by, that on Thursday was a very important time in this Passion Week. And on this Thursday was when Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room. And then it took the very nature of a servant and then took the, the towel and the water basin and washed the disciples' feet. Uh, something that was unheard of coming from a teacher or a rabbi or someone that was very respected. But he humbled himself and he washed the feet of the disciples. Not only that, but it was on that Thursday that they partook, uh, they took in, uh, participated in the communion, or it's called the Lord's Supper, or better known during this time as the Passover meal. And the reason why this is important, because during the story of the Israelites' history, that when they were in Egypt, and when God sent all these different calamities so that Pharaoh will let the people go, there was a time where they called it a Passover where they would take the blood and from a sacrifice and they would wipe it and pour it or smear it over the door, doorpost. And so when that last uh, wrath was coming uh, out of the ten plagues, that whenever God saw the blood over the door, doorpost, he will pass over that house and not kill the first son of that household. And that's where the Jewish people celebrated the Passover meal, remembering God's faithfulness, that his wrath was not upon his people, but it passed over, and that through that, that they were able to experience life. And so they celebrated this on Thursday, and then we see Friday, remembering the death and the suffering of Christ, and this is going to come to the pinnacle in a couple days on Sunday when we celebrate Easter, Easter Sunday, when the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where he defeated death and gave us new life. So before going to the cross, we see this progression of the crucifixion story. So just to give us a little bit more recent events from this story, we see that Judas betrays Jesus, and then Judas ends up committing suicide because of the guilt, realizing that he sold Jesus for some money. And then from there, we notice that Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate uh, at the time overseeing Jerusalem. And then we see the crowd in an uproar as they demanded Barabbas, a notorious criminal, to be released instead of Jesus. <laughs> Actually, um, 
when we're offline, we have uh, some technical difficulties. The Wi-Fi crashed. But as we're trying to get it fixed, I, I just told these guys, maybe we should record it. Forget this live thing. <laughs> because these kind of things can happen. And I, I guess that's why a lot of churches record it. But for me, we'll still go live. So thank you for being patient. And uh, I don't know where I got dropped. Um, they're trying to tell me, but I don't even know what I was saying here. So I'm just going to continue on from wherever, from my notes. And if you skip some stuff, then I think it wasn't that important. Not that Jesus is not important. I think I was talking about Jesus. So not that he's not important, but whatever I was going to talk about, it, we'll just skip it. And let's just go into um, just a couple events that happened prior to this. Uh, as I mentioned, um, probably you didn't hear it, but as I was talking about, uh, Judas betrays Jesus, and he ends up committing suicide because of the guilt that he felt of selling Jesus, uh, Jesus to the Pharisees for some money. And then from there, we see that Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate, who was overseeing that part of Jerusalem. And then there was an uproar amongst the crowd as they demanded Barabbas, a notorious criminal, to be released instead of Jesus. And then we see Pontius Pilate washing his hands uh, just as a physical imagery of saying, my hands are innocent. I'm innocent of this man's blood. So let's go ahead and read verses 27 through 30 of uh, Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to go ahead and read these four verses. Listen to what it says here. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Now, what we see here is that Jesus was now being brought to the governor's headquarters, usually maybe this palace area where he stayed. And the whole battalion was gathered. Now, for us to really understand this whole scene, you have to understand that normally a battalion consisted of a unit of about 600 soldiers. And so they were stationed there uh, in that place. And so you have to imagine, I don't know if all 600 of them were there, but there was a large crowd of these soldiers that were gathered around, especially during this a time of suffering of Jesus Christ. And everything that transpired in this moment, and this is what I need to, for you to understand as we think about how Jesus took our punishment. Everything that transpired in this moment was to simply dehumanize and to humiliate and to mock uh, the person who's going to be crucified. So everything that's happening here, as I'm mentioning, and I will mention, is that Jesus was to be mocked, humiliated, and degraded just as a human being. Now, look at what we just read, and I'm just going to highlight some of these things as we look into this passage. We see that Jesus was stripped naked. For us to understand the significance of this is that nakedness during that time, especially for a Jewish man with any stature, like being a rabbi, it was very, very humiliating. And that's what the Roman government and these Roman soldiers wanted to do. They wanted to humiliate Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we notice as we have read, there was a scarlet robe that was put on Jesus. And the reason why the scarlet robe was put on him, because scarlet, the color purple, was a sign of royalty. 
So they put this robe on him to mock him, saying that here is the king, when they realize that there is no other king but Caesar, but they were mocking him in that way. Another thing you will notice is that there was a crown of thorns on Jesus' head, and all kings have a crown. And so this is complete mockery and humiliation for Jesus Christ. You will also notice they put a stick on his head or on his hand. And as you know, all kings have a scepter, a sign of authority and power. So they put this reed in his hand so he will carry. So once again, to humiliate him, to degrade him, to mock him. And then you will notice the soldiers knelt before Jesus and actually mocked him by saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then we notice that the soldiers spat on him. And those of you know anything of spitting here in biblical times, it was a sign of insult for the Jewish people. And then lastly, you'll notice that the soldiers took the stick and then hit him on the head. Now, why is all this significant? The mocking, the humiliation, the degradation of a human being. It's because the irony of this is that they did not see Jesus Christ actually being the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But he was. And so the very punishment that was going to be exacted on Jesus is that he did not deserve it because he was the king. And this is the reason why when we think about what Jesus went through, that here's a man who did not deserve to be punished because he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was the perfect person who did not sin, the son of God. And that's why I think the incredible thing of this whole story so far is, is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Let me give you some of the prophecies that were given. This is the reason why Jesus became obedient unto death because he wanted to fulfill the prophecy that was spoken about him. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. So here's the prophet Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah that is to come, and we see that he was beaten and spat upon for people like us. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, in the NIV, it says this, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and of his form, marred beyond human likeness. And as you know that as he went through the suffering, the flogging, and ultimately to the cross, he was so marred in just the way he looked that people could not recognize him. So instead of retaliating, here is Jesus submitting himself to the will of the Father. That that wasn't his punishment, but he actually took it upon himself and got punished for us rather than us punishing, uh, getting punished because of our sinfulness. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, as we've been studying the book of 1 Peter, in the New Living Translation, it says this, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. So this is the reason why, as we think about who Jesus Christ is, the perfect man who lived this, on this earth with no sin.
but he was also the son of God. That instead of us suffering on the cross and going through the punishment of sinning before a holy God, that Jesus Christ decided to take our place and die on the cross and went through the suffering for us. And this is something that I want to challenge us with when we think about Good Friday. Why is it that whatever we have lost, now Jesus Christ will redeem it because of the cross? It's because he was able to take the punishment that should have been ours. He did that for us because he loved us and he cared for us. Another thing that I want us to look at here is not only did he take our punishment, but he literally took our place. Let's finish off with verse 31. It says this, And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. We notice that after they finished mocking and humiliating Jesus, that they put his clothes back on, and it says here, they led him away to crucify him. Now, those of you who understand the story of Jesus' crucifixion, you will know that that was a criminal or a criminal's death. For anyone who is charged guilty, that they would have to die on the cross. It was pretty much the death penalty. And if you study the crucifixion of anyone who got crucified during that time, it was a gruesome and barbaric way to die. Uh, pretty much a lot of people think it's when because of the blood that drips out, but in, in actuality, it is through suffocation. Because when somebody is hanging on the cross, what happens is they begin to sag and their lung begins to collapse. And so in order to gain a breath, they would use their feet, which is nailed as well, they would use it and to prop themselves up to get a grasp of air. And then as they were, they're hanging there, excruciating pain will run through the nerves all the way through their bodies because of the nail that, it's in their, um, that are in their hands as well as their feet. So this goes on until finally the person cannot prop themselves up anymore and they end up just dying of suffocation and the pain they endure through that whole time. Now, why is this important? Because once again, when we think about what Jesus went through, that should have been our punishment. And when we think about the cross and the severity of the cross, that should have been us hanging on the cross. But we see here, Jesus was led away to be crucified for people like us. He took our place. We should have been led towards Golgotha. We should have been the ones hanging on the cross. But Jesus Christ took our place because he became the perfect sacrifice so that our sins can be forgiven by God. Can you imagine all the pain and agony that Jesus went through? But as he submitted himself to the will of the Father, by taking our place on that cross, what it demonstrates for us is the tremendous love of God that was revealed to us, not just in words, but by action. And this is, once again, a fulfillment of prophecy. Let me give you another passage from the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 and 6 in the NIV, listen to what it says. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and he and by his wounds, we are healed. 
We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that should have been our cross because we were like those sheep that went astray. That we decided that we wanted to do our own thing, to live our own lives. We rebelled against God. But because God so loved us that he sent his one and only son to then not only take the punishment that should have been our punishment for disobedience and rebellion, but he then took our place and paid that price, the ultimate price, with his life. So what is our response? I think our response should be a a response of gratitude, humility, realizing that we don't deserve anything. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, I'm going to read it from the message translation that epitomizes what happened on that cross and what God did for us. It says this, Christ arrives right on time to make things happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble can inspire us to be to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever or whatever to him. So once again, when we think about even in our rebellious ways, we cannot even figure out how to save ourselves. This is the reason why Jesus had to come and take our place, so that by dying for our sins, then we will be now able to be set free. And this is why, as he died this death for us, this is what sets us free from our sins. This is the reason why we have to look to Christ, who is the ultimate form of a person who humbled himself and taking our place in that manner. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8, in the New Living Translation, it says this, Though though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Just go ahead and read the highlighted yellow with me. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This idea of taking our place, this idea of sacrificing oneself for somebody else, uh, I think it's wonderfully demonstrated by the story of Shin Dong-hyuk. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before, but he was the only person who actually escaped North Korean prison, the prison camps. Uh, To this day, there's not a single other person, but he was able to escape. And I'm going to just read you his story that I think is really powerful. When he escaped to South Korea, he actually told the story. And so let me read it. Just listen to the story as you're looking at his picture. This, This is what it says. In 2005... Shin Dong uh, Hyuk became the only person to ever escape from a total control zone internment camp in North Korea and live to tell the tale. Because Shin was born in the prison, 
He knew no other life. In his mind, the entire world was Camp 14. And there were only two types of people in the world, prisoners and guards. You were born as one or the other. You lived your entire life that way. He later said that he never considered escape because he always assumed that the society outside the camp would be similar to that inside the camp. Every day, Shin was told that what to do, and he did it. For 23 years, he was always hungry and tired from daily hard labor. But Shin said everything changed one day. A new prisoner named Park was brought to Camp 14, and with him came tales of a different world on the other side of the electric fence. He talked about living in cities and traveling to China, but one particular thing Park talked about defined freedom for Shin Dong-hyuk's mind more than anything else. Broiled chicken. Park told him that outside the electrified fence of, this, of his world was another world where you could eat broiled chicken and you could eat it at any time you wanted. Shin had never eaten chicken, but he knew what chicken tasted like, freedom. This quest for broiled chicken led Shin and Park to attempt to escape over the electrified fence. Park touched the fence first and immediately died. An untold number of volts coursed through his body and stopped his heart. His body became a bridge over which Shin was able to climb to freedom. That day, he became the only person to ever escape from a total controlled zone, interim camp in North Korea, and live to tell the tale. Shin Dong, uh, Dong Hyuk is no longer a prisoner. He now lives in South Korea and eats broiled chicken whenever he wants. This chicken, along with his freedom, was purchased by a friend who gave his life for him. What a great story and a reminder for us that by one person sacrificing his life, another person lived. And this is the crux and the message of Good Friday, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took our place as he paid the punishment that should have been ours so that we can experience true life that is found in Him and Him alone. Let's all have chicken after this. Some of you are probably, I, I was told that it got cut off uh, sometime after the chicken story or at least in the middle of it. So let me just read the last part where I guess it got cut off. And better yet, let me just summarize it. So pretty much as they were trying to escape um, Park, he ended up touching the fence and he got electrocuted. And then as he fell over, that's when Shin was able to walk over him and that's how he escaped. And now he's able to eat chicken anytime he wants. And the story, the point that we want to make is that it was through the sacrifice of a person's life that enabled another person to live. So once again, Jesus Christ sacrificed himself so that all of us 
can have life. He took our punishment and he took our place. That should have been us hanging on the cross. But Jesus Christ took that cross for us. And as he died, he set us free. I want to go ahead and just uh, bring this to a close as we think about the crown. Jesus Christ, being the King of kings and Lord of lords, was mocked and called the King of the Jews. Even though he was, the people did not see him in that way. And that's why they put a crown of thorns on his head as a sign of being this false king in humiliation and in mockery. But in Revelation, there's a beautiful story that reminds us of what's going to really happen. Is that when he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, that Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, now as he humbled himself, died, died on the cross, he is not now exalted to the highest place that's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And the story in Revelation chapter 4, what it talks about is there will come a time when Jesus Christ will make all things new. And there will be people gathered around the throne and they will be crowned with these crowns. And they will take those crowns and lay them down before Jesus because there's only one person who is genuinely worthy as he took our punishment and took our place. I want to just read that passage for you in Revelation chapter 4 verse 10 through 11 in the NIV. Listen to what it says. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns. Let me read that again. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. This is the reminder for us that long time ago when Jesus was led to the cross, he was wearing a crown of thorns, which was a mockery and a sign of humiliation. But there will come a time now in the future because he rose again from the dead, because he is the only one who's genuinely worthy to receive all praise, all glory, and no longer in humiliation or in mockery, but with praise and adoration for being the King of kings and Lord of lords. Whatever crowns that we have received, whatever rewards or whatever acclamation or whatever uh, praise that we have received, we're going to lay down our crowns before this king and worship him and him alone. This is the reason why whatever loss we might have experienced here on this earth, there are some of you right now have experienced some loss. There are some of you in the midst of making some decisions where you're going to have to lose some things to gain other things. But whatever you have lost because of what Satan has done, maybe some of us, we have made some poor decisions, things that we have done that brings a lot of shame and a lot of humiliation, maybe guilt for some of us. And in the midst of those decisions, what we have to be reminded of is this. Because Jesus Christ took the crown of thorns upon his head, 
that now he is the genuine king, the true king, that we will worship. And any other crown, we will lay that down before him because he is the only one who is worthy of all our praise. That's why whatever we consider a loss, we have to remember that Jesus will redeem. He will turn it around. What is lost will be a gain for us because of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm going to have us do is this. Instead of these next steps, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to use a Mentimeter. We want to at least have you interact. So at this very moment, I'm going to go ahead and have you refer to this PowerPoint on the screen. Uh, there's going to be a code that you can actually input. And if you can do that at this time, you could scan it or you could go to a, a browser and put uh, menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com, and go ahead and put in this code, 73088. And what we're going to do is it's going to prompt you to give um, just a, a word, uh, maybe up to three words that will be able to kind of describe in light of what you have heard today in this message. And so I'm going to give you some time to answer these two questions. Uh, first of all is, what sins have been keeping me from God? And like I said, you can use uh, up to three. If there, if there are two or even just one that really is right in front of you, it's blaring. You know these are the things that hinder you in your relationship with God. So go ahead and fill that out. And then the second question is just use one word to describe what Jesus' death means to me personally. And the reason why I want us to do this, and it's going to be anonymous because we want you to see the different areas of sin that people in our church and those who are watching are struggling with. And this is no way to shame you, but it's a reminder that many of us are in the same boat. We're struggling with some of the same things in our lives. And so by being able to see that right in front of your screen, it's going to help you then to realize that it is because of these sins that Jesus Christ took the punishment and took the, my place on that cross. And then the one word that we're using to describe his death is to help us to realize that this is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that Jesus took the crown of thorns he bore our shame. He bore our weaknesses and our brokenness. And through that, as he died on the cross, pay the penalty of our sins, and that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And this is how we will be able to celebrate Easter this coming Sunday. So I'm going to go ahead and just ask us, uh, just maybe another 30 seconds or so, if you can go ahead and fill that out so that we'll see it on the screen and we'll be able to kind of see what are some of the things that we're struggling with and what are some of the things that we are thinking about what it means for us personally because of the cross of Jesus Christ? They're writing out the numbers of people that are responding and just seeing all those numbers go up is very encouraging. As we're hearing this message and we're responding to God in this way. In just a few moments here, I'm going to go ahead and have this written up on the screen so you can actually see it. And as you see the different sins that hinder us from 
experiencing God and His grace, His love. And then to be able to then see a word that what Jesus Christ has sacrificed means to us, I think it's going to be an encouragement for all of us. So maybe just another 10 seconds. Hopefully all of you have responded. So let's go ahead and just look up on the screen here and let's see uh, some of the sins. This is just a word. So you can see it right there as people are filling it out, as it's kind of changing, evolving. You see some of the bigger words are some of those things that people are struggling with. Whether it's pride, laziness, lust, fear, greed, selfishness, unbelief. And I just want you to look at this. And as you're looking at this, what I want you to understand is for all of these things, Jesus Christ paid that punishment. And Jesus Christ took our place because we should have been punished for these sins. But Jesus took our place. Now I'm excited to look at the next one where it simply says, what is one word to describe what Jesus' death means to you personally? Can we look at that right now? How awesome is that? Freedom, hope, love, forgiveness, grace, security, sacrifice, renewal, everything. These are powerful reminders for us why we need the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. And I just pray that in the next several days as we head into Easter, that this will genuinely be our experience, experience of a greater hope, a greater freedom, a greater sense of joy in our lives and a greater sense of love for what Jesus Christ has done for us. At this time, as you can tell, uh, we're going to partake in the communion and we have already prepared many of you as you've received the elements. But before we do, I wanted to show you a visual picture of what Jesus Christ went through. Uh, many of you have probably seen the Passion of the Christ movie that was made by Mel Gibson. But I wanted to show that part of him being beaten and putting on the crown of thorns and suffering before he went to the cross and then being crucified on the cross to remind us of all those things, those areas of sin, that he took our place and he paid the punishment for those sins for us. And as he took the punishment, I want you to remember that that should have been us going through the things that Jesus was going through. But he went through it for us. And I, my hope is that somewhere as we're watching this, that in our hearts we will feel this tremendous emotional, uh, just being gripped by the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. And may that encourage us as we look ahead towards Easter and what that means for us. And let me just warn you, those of you who cannot stand anything that's really gruesome, I'm going to tell you straight up that it is pretty gruesome. Uh, a lot of times uh, we want to shy away from seeing these kind of things, but I, I want to encourage you to actually see it, watch it, because that's when you realize how much sin costs and how much Jesus had to go through for people like us. And when we are able to not only know it in our heads, but it goes down to our hearts because now we 
not only have heard the story, but we visualize it. That's when we realize the cost was tremendous that Jesus Christ paid so that we may experience this freedom, this hope, this love, forgiveness, and everything else we put in there in that word cloud. I pray that it will become a reality for us. So for the next five minutes or so, would you watch it? And those of us who might not be able to handle it, you might want to look away. But for the rest of us, I want to encourage us to watch it as best as we can. It's another fresh reminder. Even for myself, every year I, I like to at least watch some of these scenes to remind me of what Jesus Christ did on my behalf as he took my punishment and took my place. And that is why whatever we have lost, we know that because of Jesus, he's going to redeem because I'm the cross. So let's watch this together. What a great reminder for us. And not just mentally and just knowing it cognitively, but being able to at least just a glimpse viscerally being able to feel what Jesus Christ went through for us. And this is the reason why the message of the gospel is such a powerful message that it literally has transformed so many lives over the years. Uh, people who were heading in one direction and now as they understood the gospel message, they turned around and went in a different direction. We're going to participate in the Lord's communion, the Passover meal if you will, the communion. And let me just share with us the importance of this taking of this communion at this time. As we think about the cross of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us and the punishment that he took upon himself that should have been our punishment, going to the cross, uh, taking our place when that should have been us dying on the cross. The power of that is because not only has he given us life, but now as he resurrected from the dead, we're able to now experience this redemption, that God redeemed us. He bought us. He ransomed us back into that relationship with him. There are some of us in this room who have never made a commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You might have gone to church and you grew up in a Catholic school where they teach you about Jesus, but you've never made a profession of faith to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to surrender your life and say, Lord Jesus, I give everything that I have. As I think about your sacrifice and what you have done for me, I give my life to you. And I want to invite us, for some of us who are in that situation, that have never trusted in Jesus Christ, when you think about your life and think about the sins of your life, even as we think about the word cloud, some of those words that were popping up, all of us have been guilty of all of those things. And as you're sitting there or wherever you may be, uh, maybe under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, God is speaking to you that there is no way that you can save yourself from this situation. And the only way is through Jesus Christ. And as you think about His love, think about the sacrifice, how He took our punishment, and took our place so you did not have to suffer that you did not have to pay the penalty but Jesus took it upon himself and you're saying if this is true I want to give my life 
to this person named Jesus Christ who loved me this much that I did not deserve to be loved, but he loved me this much. If that is you today, we would love for you to make that commitment. And all you have to do is say a simple prayer. And the prayer can go something like this. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I've sinned against you and you alone. And because of that, I deserve punishment. I deserve your wrath. I don't deserve life. But thank you that you actually paid the price for me. You took my place. And now I believe by faith that you died on the cross for my sins, that I will be set free. You say a prayer to that effect. The Bible tells us that if you believe and you profess with your mouth, you will be saved. There's another group of people that I want to talk to, and many of you who are believers. And maybe some of us, for whatever reason, this gospel story has become a little bit old. We know that he died on the cross. We know that he suffered. But for whatever reason, we have lost a sense of gratitude. We have forgotten not only how sinful we are, but we have forgotten the tremendous sacrifice, what Jesus had to go through. And this evening, as the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, maybe there are some things that you're still holding on to as a follower of Christ. Other smaller gods, lesser gods that will never fully satisfy. Maybe there are some things that are hindering you in your personal walk with God, even though you are saved, that there are things where your fellowship with God is being broken. Whether it's our self-centeredness, whether it's our self-sufficiency, or it could just be our self-protection of not wanting to lose certain things when God is saying, give me your whole life. And those of you who are in that situation, can I just challenge us this evening? as we partake in this Lord's communion, that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he died for all of that. And there is nothing greater than to experience the joy of knowing, loving, and following and serving Jesus Christ. And I pray that tonight, in light of the message, in light of what you have seen, that somehow the Spirit of God will convict you to begin to say, God, Thank you for reminding me of the sacrifice you made for me. That commitment I made a couple years ago to follow you. Maybe when you were a little kid, you decided to receive Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the line, you are forgotten. I want to just encourage you to be able to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the reminder. Thank you for the sacrifice. And I want to commit my life once again to you. And so the Lord's communion is a powerful symbol of that sacrifice the bread represents his body that was broken flogged crucified nailed to that cross the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us every single drop of blood that is the only thing that could wash away our sins that's why the Bible says, though your sins are like scarlet, though, though it is red, as crimson, that because of his blood, he will wash us away as white as snow. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. It's not through your righteous works. It's not through being good, because we can never be good, because we're so sinful by nature. But it's the blood of Jesus. And that's the power of the communion. These are symbols of Jesus' sacrifice.
his body, which he then saw offered and sacrificed by taking our place. And the blood, the only means of forgiveness of sins, which he took the punishment upon himself by spilling his blood so that we don't have to spill our blood. And so I just want to encourage you, the Bible tells us not to take the Lord's communion in an unworthy manner. So if some of you are watching this and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we ask that you don't participate in the Lord's communion because only those who believe in Christ can identify with the body and the blood. We don't want curses to be placed on you. We don't want anything to happen. So the Bible is very clear on that. Do not take up the Lord's communion if you are not a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. But as I shared before, today there's good news. It's Good Friday. Is that you could actually receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And afterwards, just indicate to maybe a friend or you could just put up a prayer request there and we would love to pray with you just to be able to say, I have decided to follow Jesus Christ. Bible also says to those of us who are believers not to take this in an unworthy manner when there's sin in our lives and it's unconfessed whether it's our pride just a lack of forgiveness or our lust or fear whatever it is that pushes away from God us away from God then we should repent of those things turn away from them turn to God because this is the reason why he had to die so that all those sins that we still wrestle through with that Christ can release us from that as we turn to him so what I'm going to ask us to do if we could just bow our heads for a moment as we can close our eyes and bow our heads and just listen to the sound of my voice I want to give you just a few moments here just to pray whether it's to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the first time or if it is just to spend some time in repentance and say Lord forgive me I've totally forgotten why you had to die. It was for these things in my life. I repent of them. I ask you, Lord, to cleanse me, purify me, and to make me whole once again. Renew me in my relationship with you because I believe that you are the Savior and Lord. And just receive his forgiveness. That's why he died. And as you receive it, may the grace of God fill you, the mercy of God fill you. I just want to give us a few moments here. Can we just do that before we take of the Lord's communion together? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.